Happy 2022 and welcome to 64, a chess podcast. I am David Visgon coming at you live from Copenhagen, Denmark. We are back. New year, kind of new podcast. Not yet, really. More on that later. Uh, but I'd like to welcome my guest uh, for this week, uh, Benji Porto. Benji is a, a sports psychologist and uh, you've worked with uh, many, many chess players from what I understand. And so uh, I thought this would be... Uh, Kind of probably should have done this episode a little earlier, but I'll get, again, I'll get to that a little later. Um, nevertheless, I'm glad to have you on, and I can't wait to talk chess with you. So uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much, David. Um, happy Happy New Year, Happy 2022 yeah. to um, to uh, all the listeners and, and to everyone. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad to um, to be here to to uh, to discuss with you. Yeah, first of all, I once again just want to thank uh, all my listeners uh, for a great 2021. I did tweet about it, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to see my whole big thread about you know my top five episodes that I enjoyed recording. I enjoy recording all of them, of course, um, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at 64podcast if you want to kind of check that out and support the brand a little bit. Um, I also would like to just give a shout out to my sponsor, AimChess. You can use code David30 to get 30% off your first month with AimChess. They've totally redesigned the app. Uh, you can now use it without a link to count. There's adaptive tactics, there's new ways to pay, there's more personalized functions, uh, and the entire interface looks different. So, you know, I've been using it. You should check it out. If you haven't used it yet, don't forget to use my code. Uh, and last and not least, I want to thank everybody uh, out there on Patreon for supporting the podcast. You can check out patreon.com slash 64 podcast if you're interested in supporting the show financially. And lastly, I did say that uh, I would kind of be trying some new things in 2022. Uh, I'm happy to announce that I've opened a YouTube channel. There's nothing on there yet, but if you want to just check out the YouTube and uh, show some love, 64, a chess channel that's on YouTube. Uh, and I plan on uploading there uh, at least once by the end of the month. Uh, I've had a kind of a busy schedule actually with, uh, with research, so no promises, but, uh, I guess on that note, let's talk chess. So, um, so you're a chess psychologist. Um, I, well, yeah, maybe, I mean, yeah, you can explain. Yeah. So first of all, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic that you're getting, uh, the, um, uh, the success you deserve. I'm really a big fan of the podcast. Well, thank you. Um, um, it's it's a great addition to to the landscape of chess podcasts. I mean, uh, I'm good friends with the the guys from the the chess pit. Uh, been on a couple of times. You know, I'm friends with with Ben as well. So uh, there's there's a lot of great chess podcasts, but you bring like your unique uh, voice and energy into the mix, and uh, and that's that's fantastic. Appreciate hearing that. It's uh, you know it's it's my favorite thing to do, my favorite hobby right now. So you know I'll keep bringing the energy. Yeah, so um, in my background, so um, I am, uh, I, I call myself a performance coach. Um, so um, for the moment, this is like a, a part-time uh, job for me. I still have my, uh, my daytime job, but you, I, I started as a, as a scientist. Uh, I have a physics PhD um, and I've been working, you know, in, in quantitative uh, fields. Um, for like many many years now and really i wanted to to do something to kind of like uh help people i mean it sounds a little bit corny but uh rather than just being like interacting with numbers i wanted to be interacting with people uh a, a little bit more and um you know this is it things kind of like fell into place in terms of uh you know my interest with chess 
um, my interest with sports science, uh, and then I did a part-time degree to, you know, learn the, the ropes on the, um, on the, the, the psychology uh, side. And um, I kind of like, you know, got my own little uh, little niche in terms of uh, working with uh, with chess players. So this this is uh, this is uh, where I am right now. So how did you get involved? Uh, I guess with chess specifically, because um, I, I I remember when we were kind of planning this episode, you said that you were, you kind of played other games. So I guess I'm wondering like what was the road from just you know wanting to work with people to working with chess players, especially strong chess players. Yeah. Um, so, I I um I, I didn't play chess uh, as a kid, um, and, and you know uh, I discovered chess uh, kind of uh, um, as an adult, and and the game, you know, when it when it really gets into your brain, it's it's uh, it just doesn't uh, it just doesn't get hold, so uh, doesn't let go. Right. So um, I, I started to play in the club, you know, do like all the, um, the, the improvement stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I'm just like, you know, an average club player. Uh, I'm like about 1600 um, in the ECF rating. So, you know, I then like 2000 blitz on each. So, you know, nothing, nothing special, but um, uh um, I, I saw that, uh, you know, for many chess professionals, it seemed like, you know, health and lifestyle was kind of like an afterthought. And there was like uh, huge gains to be made in terms of, uh, you know, improving their, um, their overall like uh, health and fitness. So this was like my initial um, idea. And of course, why work with elite? I mean, it's not that I think uh, elite player are special or more worthy than, uh, than anyone else because uh, I, I help um, amateurs as well. But it's like, okay, um, how much effort are you going to dedicate uh, um, into uh, improving your, uh, you know, everything that is around chess itself? and um, how much of a difference is it going to make, right? Because a lot of amateurs, well, the the best the best um, the best use of a, of their time, uh, you know, is is probably to uh, to to just grab an endgame book or a tactics book and and go through that. Uh, whereas, like the mental game, I mean, there's there's a lot of points to be picked here and there, but that shouldn't be like the 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 top priority. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um... You know, while while we talk on the on the subject of uh, of chess psychology, uh, I guess let's let's work our way backwards, because something I I was uh, really thinking about back in this World Chess Championship last year. Well, I guess not really last year; it's more like a month ago. I digress. Um, something I was trying to kind of think about is this this epic collapse that Nepomniachtchi had, and a lot of people have speculated what that might have been down to. But I guess, uh, you know, as somebody who works on like, you know, the psychobiological model of endurance and trying to uh, trying to help people, uh, you know, with with their focus and, you know, with with staying confident and whatnot, do, do you kind of have a do you think that Nepo like Nepo's collapse was more of like a psychological thing? Was it just bad chess? Was it a mix of both? Or do you think maybe you can't uh, can't answer that? You know, things uh... valid. Well, first of all, um, yeah, well, it's, it's hard to know for sure. Uh, uh, probably 
Nepo himself as uh, as an idea. Um, also, it's it's very easy to criticize, but um, you know, I I have. Um, I, I have huge respect for uh, the competitors, and you know, um, I've I've experienced enough competition also to know that you know you you put yourself on the line, right? So uh, you know, in this case, it it looks like a, um, a spectacular failure, but I, I don't want to say like, oh yeah, it's an obvious like psychological collapse, right? Okay. Of course. Now this 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 disclaimer being said, it it really does look like. Um, not like really chess related right i think that's pretty obvious to like anyone in the in the chess community um especially like you know moves like um uh, was it game uh game eight like king f8 um it's like it's it's there's a position like okay so black's played h5 um and, and been like a little bit caught out and 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 magnus spend a long time and decide not to go into this very critical line with c4 and goes with like you know queen queen e1 and and in a way it's like it's this is basically a draw for and and just like playing king f8 is um i mean it's not it's not like a blunder or chess mistake per se but it's it's really definitely um definitely like uh something that is hard to explain uh, other than than psychologically um so it's it's definitely you know and any it's tough um uh also i know that nepo has worked with um with uh, a psychologist in the run-up um i know that uh, famously magnus is on record saying he's, he's never worked with one but he's quite well versed into the concept in sports psychology as you'd expect. Um, and, um, you know, I know that, uh, uh, well, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's too much of a secret, but I, that was the only like non-Russian uh, 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 member on his team. I don't know if that person was with him uh, in Dubai or not. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I don't want to, to um, you know, uh, it, anything we say also reflects bad on on, on that person and uh, you know yeah. it's, it's really hard it's because they, they chose this um there were some brilliant things on on magnus's uh side like saying like well what's good for the match is that i'm better at chess i mean like that's that's an absolutely brilliant psychological pressure applied on uh, on your opponent right and and nepo tried to kind of mirror that and and I, I, he had a statement like uh, I'm I'm really good at chess or something like this, and you know he had also statements like I'm a very stable person, uh, I'm very mentally strong, and and then like he, he goes on to psych completely collapse. So you know we can only say with hindsight. Well, obviously that was the bad strategy. Same like for the chess wise, you know, going with a very equaling strategy is like well it didn't work there, but. Um, Maybe like, you know, he, he could have said like, okay, um, Magnus is the better chess player, but that doesn't mean anything because I could still win the match because uh, it's not the better player who becomes world champion, it's whoever wins the match. So, you know, with hindsight, maybe that should have been like maybe the, the approach, but we have no, we don't know how, how he trained or what he worked on. We, we have only um, the match. So, so that was a very lengthy uh, uh, comment. Um, sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was just, um, I figured I should ask somebody who, who, who might have some 
sort of insight because to me i i mean i think that i mean this isn't really like a new thing that anybody is saying but it, it, it does seem like that game six kind of just broke him like first five games you know five and three quarters of a game he he played amazing he played up to speed and then you know he 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 was really able to match magnus even you know even even pull some surprises and then the second he lost that game i think he was just like okay i'm gonna lose the game i'm gonna lose yeah. the game and i'm losing match and and that so yeah i mean yeah i see and um i mean a, a lot has been said uh about um you know um, of course like uh, this player plays somehow when you qualify for the world championship like having a physical preparation is like part of um of the of the package but like for all the tournaments it's like an afterthought for the players um i mean the famously um nepo worked with uh the bayern munich basketball um team uh, uh physios and facilities you know uh, uh, lost quite a bit of weight but um you know magnus always fits always has been playing um and and definitely you know, going on to a long game um, that seemed to have like played quite a lot. Like Nepo in the press conference saying like, oh, we played like two games in a day just because like the, the game six finished after after midnight. Right. Um, I mean, I think once you've been like through such a long game and that has like such an impact on the match and on yourself, uh, um, I, I clearly didn't like digest it uh, very well um so i don't know like these these are like scenarios that uh you could rehearse beforehand you know what happens if you go down to nil after two games then then what or if you go up to nil after two games then what or um and so on and um and it seemed that he didn't uh digest him but you know this this uh it's it's easier to say from the comfort of your own home and when you're not playing magnus who's like uh, one of the the, the best player ever to play the game, right? Maybe even I would say the best um personally, yeah. but uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Um I think also with Magnus, uh just while we're on this topic, you said that he's you know he's been on the record saying he's never worked with a psychologist, but you know, regardless of that, uh I don't think anyone uh in chess right now really has as strong of a sense of like uh, psychology and how to actually use that as a weapon like Magnus does. Because Magnus is somehow like time and time again, just able to kind of hypnotize people into playing, uh, you know, uh, okay, the world rapid and blitz was uh, not a good example of this. He didn't, you know, finish with a medal, but uh, you know, he, he just, he just won his uh, world championship. We can let him rest. But, you know, Magnus has this, like, uncanny ability to kind of just hypnotize people in drawn positions. And, like, you know, you say it's a draw, you let go of the, just a little bit, you let go of the pressure, and suddenly you're in a worse position, and he just wins. I mean, he does that time and time again, and it's kind of a, a testament to, to to his psychology. So I, I kind of want to ask, you know, not saying that any of us will ever get to that level like Magnus has, but, you know, how, how do you train, um, you know, let's say you're, you're not you're not working with, uh, with a, you know, uh, performance coach or a sports psychologist or you know a confidence coach or whatever how do you actually like gain that kind of mindset to, to start thinking about sports and competition from a psychological perspective like what do you what's kind of the process there ah that's a very good question um and well in, in coaching a lot of a lot of question the answer is like it depends right but i'm, I'm going to try not to give like a it depend uh right. answer excuse me i think uh people have to 
the base of confidence, it's not like um, the, the performance flows like from, from the confidence, right? Because you see, for example, like Federer's like when it was when I at his peak, like one of the most supremely confident player, but um, is, is, is confident because he also has the skills to back it up, right? I can have like Federer level of confidence, but I'm like a terrible tennis player. It's not going to make me win. So there's this concept of uh, self-efficacy, which is how much do you believe you are good at uh, what you have to do? And so you have to build up that um, that uh, self-efficacy, which is what well through through training, through like developing the chess skills themselves, right? And and it's like um, you know also to be a good uh, um, you know tournament player, you have to play enough tournaments, right? I think like a lot of amateurs, maybe uh, you know they have life constraints, uh, and if you play a tournament very infrequently. Um, then, uh, you know, if it, if it starts to go bad, you're like, oh my God, like I've trained, I, I've done puzzles for six months and uh, I've just lost two games and uh, things go bad and, and you, you're just not enjoying yourself. Um, uh, so it's, it's either you try to play more tournaments and, you know, sometimes it starts bad, but sometimes it starts really well, you know, just the variance in, 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 in these terms um, to kind of like, you know, um, make it... Um, more equal um and then it's like you know try to um uh you know of course have your 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 lifestyle like you know uh sleep nutrition kind of in check at least around the tournament um and um and then it's about like identify you know as as the the, the greeks say like know yourself right like um uh do I tend to be like worried when I play uh, uh, higher rated players, uh, um, or what's my special like uh, leak in in, um, in 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 poker parlance? Like, what's the thing that really is holding me back? And then like try to look for uh, a solution to to that one. So uh, you know, yeah, a lot of people um, they would be uh, intimidated by higher rated opponent um or, or, or things like that and um and uh, yeah it's about it's about trying to like you know find solution with that there's like some some really good books around that that people can uh can look up to to fix the most common uh psychological uh problems now um before we talk a bit more about the psychological side you also you mentioned the importance of exercise and uh, like you did say, Nepo before his match, I think he lost something like what, 10 pounds, 15 pounds. He, he, he looks more physically in shape. Magnus, like you said, is always in fantastic shape. Um, other grandmasters have at, the, at least at the 2700 level have talked about the importance of you know, going to the gym, staying fit. I think Caruana talked about that was a big, big shift that he made at uh, some, some point in his career that he started going to the gym like every every day when he was like never going at all because you know people just say chess is a mental game so i guess uh uh in brief maybe for people who don't understand the connection um like why why is exercise so important um for for like a, a mental game like chess yeah definitely it's 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 a great great point and, and great question because um it was also also baffling uh, uh, to me at first, like, um, and so the answer is twofold. Um, the first is like purely um, physiological effects, right? So um, exercising uh, um, uh, induced the production of this like 
uh, BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which like um, is really like uh, makes your brain um, able to like create uh, uh, new connections between neurons. Um, you you get an increase in uh, you know a better um, uh, vascular blood flow in the brain. So so there is truly a um, a uh, a brain improvement effect to it. But that's only one part of it. The other part is um, so it's kind of like um, there's this this uh, this 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 uh, model called. Um, uh, the psychobiological model of endurance performance. So if I unpack this like long things, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a model. Um, uh, it's, it's developed by many scientists, but uh, more famously by Samuel Marcora. And um, this model is kind of for me, um, it's, it's sort of the, the touchstone. It's like the prism through which I see uh, how people should exercise, right? It, it doesn't mean that, that it's like 100% relevant, but you know, it, it's good to have like uh, use scientific things to through which you, uh, through which I see uh, the way that things should be done. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, it's it's uh, it's an area of research. And as you, you know, in physics, like uh, all models are wrong, but some are useful. Uh, and, and that's definitely one of these like, um, you know, useful model. So what does it mean? It's, it's uh, uh, briefly like, so um, in terms of like, uh, let's say you do a pure endurance uh, event and uh, let's say you're running. And the thing is at first you start running, it's easy, but as time goes, it becomes harder and harder. So this is like what you feel, the perceived ex exhaustion is becoming um, harder and harder. And the second component is um, your motivation level, right? Because the more motivated you are, the more you're gonna push yourself, right? If it's a training session and you're tired, then it's raining, like you're not, you're never gonna push hard, right? But if it's the day of the race and, and everybody's there, like you're, you're gonna push like way higher. So that's that's like definitely um, the thing. And 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 then what's um, and yes, the, the fascinating science comes in, and, and we don't have all the answers, but that's there is like this fascinating interplay between um, uh, this perceived exertion coming from like um, a physical effort and the perceived exertion, exertion coming from a mental effort. And, and there's definitely a cross effect there that if you're allowed to push yourself physically more, uh, that also helps to push yourself uh, mentally more. Um, now, it, it's like, People are trying to understand like the, the, the biology of it, like how does uh, your brain feels exhaustion, both for like the mental and the physical side. And there's like, this is where like in maybe three, four years, we'll know a lot more, but it, it doesn't matter what the science is exactly like, there's enough of a correlation and a link to see that, yeah, that that seems like the, the, the very good like models who wish to see um, how these two things uh, uh, interact. Now, another question I wanted to ask you is about more, I guess, more on the, the mental side, right? So, so obviously the, the, you have, there's, you have this, this brain body connection, um, but you did mention stuff about like motivation and focus. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk in a second about like, uh, maybe no specifics, no specific names, you know, I know, uh, doctor, patient, confident, blah, 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 doctor, patient, confidentiality or whatever, but, uh. Um, my point is, uh, 
how do you actually work with people on the mental side? What, what, what exactly is it that you do like to, to, to help people? Is it more of like a, like a, like, like a real kind of coaching, like what, like trying to diagnose what is wrong? Is it more of a motivational okay. thing? Is it more of like a training? So, so I am not like, you know, a, a registered uh, psychologist. So right, 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 right. I was the, kind the, of being, I was being like, uh, so, so um, right there, there's like, um, you know, when I, I start with people, I just listen and see uh, what their problem is. And, and, and then I see if the, the tools that I know are able to help them. And, and, and this is where uh, at this stage, the deontology of the coach um, is to, to, um, to say like, okay, this is like, you know, a psychological problem that has to be treated by uh, a, a medical professional. And then like, you know, and then at this point say like, okay, um, have it fixed and then come see me again when, uh, uh, when it's fixed, right? So it's, it's super important uh, to, to, to know the boundaries. It's the same, like um, there's this deontological aspect that um, there must not be a relationship of dependency between uh, the, the uh, athlete and the coach. And um, the, the goal of the athlete is to be autonomous, right? Like the coach is not like, you know, whispering in, in the athletes here, uh, you know, uh, it's not there to like be like, okay, oh, you need me, you need me to tell you that I do this. So it's like, okay, uh, I, am, uh, I am teaching you skills. You need to learn these tools and these skills yourself. And then, like uh, uh, you know, go for one in the world. Okay. Now, this this uh, uh, this being said, um, there's like um, there's like a set of like you know uh, important building blocks in sports psychology, and you know these are um, you know uh, goal setting, uh, visualization, um, self talk, um, and relaxation, right? And so. These are the main things that um, it's good for the athletes to, you know, um, athletes at, at least, you know, probe uh, if they have like things uh, properly in place. And um, for each of these, there's like, uh, you know, some sort of menu of of interventions you can you can propose, right? So, um, and um, what I've what I've specifically learned uh, in my in my degree, it's. Um, it's a lot of like uh, relaxation-based techniques, which which use um, hypnosis, right? So now hypnosis is like a word that um, you know scares a lot of people uh, because hypnosis, like they think like stage hypnosis, but they're actually like deep relaxation state. Um, and in there, you can do really uh, uh, useful and powerful visualization, right? Um, so uh, these are these are um, you know. Tools they they've been worked by um, uh, a, um, a a MD called uh, uh, Edith Peropierre, who's like French, and she 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 brought like uh, a mental training with these tools in the uh, military from the 80s. So she back when like no one cared or had heard about this, you know, she uh, she fought and she made like people realize how useful these tools were. And uh, she, she's the one running the, the, the degree from the University of Paris that, uh, that I attended. And uh, uh, really, they have fantastic, uh, fantastic tools to use. But, uh, you know, it's always like, OK, um, things are like highly um, uh, 
personalized because not no two players, no two people have the same uh, uh, problems or require the same things. Right. Now, um, can you can you talk a little bit about? Um, again, you don't need to mention names, um, but like, let's let, let me guess. Let me. I guess I'll start by asking, not not to do any sort of elitism in this podcast, but I guess who like what level was like the strongest person you've worked with in in chess? Uh, yeah, we um, uh, definitely uh, a, a player working to qualify for the candidates with a realistic chance. So this this is the level. Um, yeah. So obviously uh, uh, that was like um, when I started out. I mean, not being an elite chess player myself, it was a lot of like you know cold reaching out, uh, and and uh, that that was that was quite brutal. Um, but uh, one player was like, "Oh, that that's interesting," and um, and and uh, I worked with him for like more than a year, um, and and I got to like, okay, uh, see um, what is it like to play chess for him at you know the twenty seven hundred plus level. You know, there's like a, a set of unique, uh, um, you know. Uh, uh, challenges and requirements, and, and that was definitely uh, uh, extremely, um, extremely uh, eye-opening uh, and uh, and interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I w- I just wanted to ask, you know, when you when you worked with uh, with this person, um, did he expect you to to kind of know what you're talking about with regards to chess, or were you kind of not even focusing on on chess or like whatsoever? No, not not focusing on chess whatsoever. Uh, I mean, definitely any decision that is about like what is going to play is like you know entirely yeah uh, you can't not uh... not my not my not my reach right. So it's it's about like everything that's around right. right. So uh, it, it it wasn't so much uh, um, mental, but we did a lot of um, exercise uh, programming. So um, in terms of like you know when when you do sport. Um, you you try to like um there's this principle of like progressive overload where um you do your 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 workout and then you recover and when you recover you're a tiny bit stronger than before so you keep you know increasing slightly the the dose of exercise and you try to do this in um in 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 kind of like a pattern that will bring you to the best fitness uh at key moments in the year right so um you know it's 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 like n- nobody can be like in the in the perfect performance state like all year round right um uh it's uh it, it's definitely um you know uh, a a kind of like um oscillatory um not not really oscillatory but like uh um there's like phases right that's 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 the right word right for example yeah, the example would be like bodybuilders right they're not lean all year wrong right. but there's a phase where they they gain muscle and fat and then they get rid of the fat and and i mean like the the metaphor works for in terms of like you know any other uh, uh sports person uh, it's not going to be at their peak uh, performance, but they're going to work like specific things uh, at specific moment of the year. And I thought that bringing this to chess um, uh, uh, was like um, uh, unheard of uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, because it, it feels like even the people who exercise, it's like they just uh, do whatever. But um, uh, I've never heard uh, otherwise of a chess player who says they're like really 
uh, uh, treating their fitness in in kind of like uh, a macro level on their um, on their on their calendar. Now, um, another thing I wanted to to mention, uh, you told me before we got started that you've also done some work with this uh, brand new Pro Chess Training Academy, which is I think it's uh, GM uh, RB Ramesh. Yeah. And um, I guess Chandran, also Grandmaster, and a bunch of other coaches. Uh, yeah. Surya Ganguly, yeah. Yeah, Surya, uh, who's uh, you know, a legend, Team Anand uh, for, for yeah. about 2008 to 2012. Um, yeah, I guess I was wondering, so that now you're working more, uh, so you're, you, you've talked already about kind of applying this, this sort of uh, performance framework. And it is the goal to kind of try and, and apply this to, to a whole kind of school of chess thought now, rather than just working individually one-on-one -on -one with people? Um, so, um, I, I mean, the goal is, is to, to work one-on-one -on -one with people, but uh, I got this, this opportunity to, to work with, um, with the Pro, Pro Chess Academy. And uh, I mean, these, these people are, are, are the best, some of the best, uh, I don't want to offend anyone, but they're really some of the best chess trainers in the whole world, right? Oh, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, and um, they really um, they really have a, a, an eye for, for innovation. And, and uh, you know, I, I came, uh, uh, well, the, the thing is like, I, I don't have like a, a I don't have like connections in the in the chess world, but the people that I work with, they're always super happy with my work. So I get, you know, uh, word of mouth like right. this. Um, and um, the idea was like, okay, let's try to to do like um, a series of lectures. So uh, the Pro Chess Academy is like um, set into different groups. So um, I think it was like more aimed at like the upper half of um of their uh you know like 1800 to like you know uh to like titled uh um uh players and um i i just presented lectures on um on, on a bit of everything really um uh went through um through exercise through um uh through sleep through uh nutrition um uh through psychology um, you know, with the limitation that it's like, okay, excuse me, um, it's not, uh, it, because it's like uh, one too many, I, I can't be everybody's personal coach. Right. Uh, and I didn't want to give like a lot of like coaches, they're like, they give you checklists. And, and I really hate that. It's like, oh, the five things to do to sleep well, or, you know, the top 10 things to, to do to eat well or something. And it's like, uh, I try to uh, give them um, an understanding of why they should do the things they do, right? So um, uh, there's like this this uh, uh, framework which is more like principle based for sleep, and I thought like, okay, that's that's way better than like you know a list of of, of five rules. So um, definitely, uh, I did this for for two months. So there's like a, a set of uh, of uh, of um, eight lectures, and and I, I got like great great feedback from the students. So um, um then it, like it's I, i'm really glad that i, I built a, a relationship with uh, uh with, with ramesh and his team yeah that's uh that sounds really special i have to say um i have two more questions i want to ask you and then we'll move on to uh, instant insights um first thing i'll ask this is a somebody this is not so related to chess but i'm just going to ask anyway 
Um, as somebody who doesn't sleep very well, what's the if there's one uh, kind of secret weapon against uh, you know not getting good sleep? What what would you say it is? Because you know a lot of chess players, a lot of Twitter users are sleep deprived. So maybe this is going to help my my podcast audience <laughs> and me for yeah. sure. Um... Well, it, it's funny. I was I was tweeting to my friend Matt uh, um, uh, yesterday, I think, and I was like, "Well, uh, you know, I just um, just have a, a a website blocker that prevents you from going to only chess after ten p.m." <laughs> and and that was like, I mean, uh, that that's probably like you know, even if you have to pay a few a couple of 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 dollars per month to have a good like uh, website blocker, that's probably like you know a, a huge uh, a huge thing. Um, you know, it's like, um, I think um, nowadays, uh, it's the, the age of uh, uh, wearables and data. And, and definitely, um, it's, uh, you know, coming from a quantitative things, I love to use metrics to track improvement, you know, it's like, because it's like, okay, how do you know you're improving your, your fitness or whatever, if you don't track it. So I, I'm a huge, like, uh, advocate of quantitative measurements, but I think a lot of people, now they they the um, the sleep trackers more stresses them out, and they're like, oh, I'm only getting an hour of deep sleep. Says like my you know, Garmin or Ring or Apple Watch or whatever, and it's like, is this normal? Or maybe I should get more or something. It's like, um, in the in the principle based approach to sleep, one of the one of the the things is is trust. So just trust that you know you're gonna get like uh, uh, whatever's required. You know, just don't don't play blitz till too late. And 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 uh, if you track your metrics, that's great because it gives you feedback. But don't overthink it. Yeah, I I stopped using all those sleep trackers on my on my phone because it just uh, there's exactly what it you know. I feel like I slept like for like seven hours and say, hey, I'm getting seven hours of sleep and. It's like, oh, you only slept for three. Uh, the phone only did two. That's but but I mean, what does that even mean? Like, I felt well rested. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, and uh, you know, there's like quantitative framework to to um, measure people's rest. You know, um, uh, obviously, like HRV, heart rate variability, is the the big fashionable one, which you know made its way to like um, everybody's home. And and uh, I've been a big advocate, and I'm a big advocate of it. Uh, but um, uh, definitely when, when uh, if you look at pro clubs, I mean, I wrote this, this blog post about like, um, how, how should you pick like your chess team? And I, um, uh, I use the inspiration of like um, the interview of a, a Manchester United sports scientist. And, you know, they would gauge like players uh, rest status, but one, one part of it is like, uh, the player's opinion, how do you feel? And that has a big weight in terms of like how you aggregate all the different numbers. So, uh, you know, if you feel fantastic, um, but uh, uh, your tracker says like, oh no, you should feel terrible today. Like that's that's just like not helpful whatsoever, right? Right. Um, now, the last thing I wanted to mention, um, this, this might be a bit of a deep cut for a long time listeners of the podcast, but... Uh... Uh, Jennifer Shahadi, who is a friend of the podcast, um, who also has a book coming out in March, by the way, Chess Queen. So you should pre-order that. It's about women in chess. Um, but uh, she, when I had her on my show, she had told me that she had just wrapped up this uh, episode with uh, Isabel Choco, 
who survived Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen and uh, eventually became the national champion of France in chess. Apparently you were involved somehow, I assume maybe in terms of translation. So, yeah, so um, uh, it, it started, there was like a, a, an article in, in, um, in the French chess magazine, Europe Echec, and um, I was like, you know, um, translating uh, uh, snippets of it on Twitter. Uh, since, since then, there's like a full translation by Chessbase. Um, so maybe we can link this in the show notes. Um, and um, I thought that, that there's such a fantastic story. Uh, it would be fantastic if um, if more people knew about it. So uh, I reached out to Isabel, uh, who, who since then, like you know, uh, um, became a, a good friend. Uh, and, and basically, yeah, I helped. Um, uh, I reached out to to several people, and, and Jen was really enthusiastic because uh, um, it's such a powerful um, a story, and uh, you know, it, it's a great. Um, it's a great topic for a, a ladies' night uh, podcast. It's a great uh, podcast, she, by the way. Yeah, she also ended up uh, releasing the episode on a on a poker feed as well. Um, and I was there for um, just like as the go between to do the the translation. Um, so uh, on the episode, you can sometimes hear my voice, but um, I was asking the questions, and and um, Isabel would answer back, and I would give some kind of quick translation to Jen so that Jen could like, you know, keep asking more questions or ask clarification. Uh, but then like, obviously my translated answers uh, um, uh, have been edited out and, and uh, there's like a really professional voiceover over um, uh, Isabel's uh, answer, answers. So that's, that's how the, the episode uh, um, came, came to, to, uh, to be. And, uh, you know, massively grateful for, to, to Jennifer. Um, to to uh, to make this happen and such a fantastic story, right? As um, you know, as a little girl, uh, yeah, she, Poland got got invaded. Um, that everything was taken from her family. Uh, she was sent in the ghetto. In the ghetto, um, her dad died, and then um, they got sent to Auschwitz. Uh, they managed to survive. Um, the instant death uh, triage at the end of the uh, at the at the entrance, and uh, they got sent to a um, a work camp, uh, and they are like she she only survived because there was another prisoner giving her like uh, extra food uh, from time to time, um, and uh, eventually, as the um, uh, as the, the the war was coming to an end, um, they got sent uh, uh, to Bergen Belsen to die. Basically, that was where right. everybody yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's where uh, uh, her mom died uh, in her arms. So uh, it's it's an absolutely terrible story. And she she barely survived herself. She was like uh, forty five pounds when uh, when when she got uh, rescued. Uh, so uh, she she could like not move, and she got really saved by um by by the uh, the British army coming in the camp. And after that. The, she went first to Sweden and then to France and um, and and slowly recovered. She 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 found uh, her uncle was in France, um, and she she the, there she she learned like uh, all the pieces move. But one one day, um, she was on vacation many years a uh, few years later, ten years later, and uh, she started to like play chess and 
people were like, oh, you seem to be like uh, to have a, a, a natural sense for the game. You should join the club. Then she, she joined the club. And two years later, she was uh, the national champion. Right. Uh, and, and she went to play the first ever uh, women's Olympiad. So to learn about like all this, uh, this story, and then she has a fantastic career in life. And, and now she's like, uh, she's 93 and, uh, and, and still like, uh, you know, uh, going strong. So um, to, to, to know more about Isabel from her own voice, it's such a powerful uh, episode and such a powerful story um, and, and much, 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 much more um, yeah, interesting and powerful than I can uh, retell it myself, but go, go, go check it out. And I, you know, another thing I just wanted to, uh, to ask, I mean, she's 93, but uh, it seems like she's still in, in very good health and, and spirits, right? Uh, yeah, she, she, uh, she, um, she, she actually had like a, a, a pretty big uh, else scare uh, last year, okay. but uh, she, she went through it. And, you know, despite all she's lived in the world when, and, and all the uh, problems, like when you, when you talk to her, she, she only cares about you. I mean, she's, she's such a, um, a powerful uh, and a beat uh, personality. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And by the way, in Jen's new book, um, there will be uh, um, a, a, um, a story will be told, like there's like a couple of pages and some like never seen before photos that uh, that are, that are put in there. So definitely Very nice. check the book. Yeah, and if you guys want to learn more about the story, you should check out the the episode about Isabel Choco on uh, on Ladies Night. Thank you for for doing that. Um, and as everyone knows, I do have this uh, this final section of the podcast where you get to know the guests a little better. So um, this is probably one of the last times I'm going to do this section, by the way, because I'm still brainstorming oh. uh, some some new stuff. So so you're in uh, you're in a privileged position here. So okay. I guess we'll just get right into it. Uh, this is instant insights. Um, and we'll just get started. So first, you know, first question, you know how it is clearly um, from uh, from our correspondence. So first question, uh, knight or bishop? Knight. Uh, for sure. Um, I, I do enjoy like, um, you know, I play I play 1b3 and there's like all these lines where uh, you give you give out the bishop pair for like double pawns or um, I used to play the, the Grand Prix. Uh, and there's like also these these lines where you you just uh, you don't go for the traditional kingside attack, but you you go for the double pawn. And and I think that you know at the amateur level, when you when you really have like these these small plans and these these understandings, it can really like trip trip up your opponent. Um, I just think like um, you know at at the amateur level, knight is trickier, right? The knight absolutely um, definitely. I know that theoretically the bishop is better. Um, and actually, like when I was like thinking about um, about this, um, I started like a little like data analysis exercise, and this is probably an upcoming post with uh, Nate Solon. Um, uh, sh- shout out to to Nate. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, definitely, we're looking at like uh, uh, bishop pair versus knight pair, or bishop pair versus knight bishop, um, and you know, quantify this for like. Uh, you know, I looked at like lead chess, lead chess, good players, um, the TCC games and the and the GM games, uh, and 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 see like you know by how much the um, how, how that like influences the um, the um, uh, the the statistical results. So definitely stay tuned uh, yeah, for like really an upcoming 
uh, cool. But yeah, night all the way. Uh, next question I'll ask is, um, you know, this used to be the Carlson Nepo one, but uh, now I'm going to ask you. So you did a PhD in physics, right? So I'll ask you, what's your what's your favorite physics equation? Oh, uh, that's going to be the 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 Lagrangian of quantum electrodynamics. I mean, this gauge theory is just the the best. Uh, the, the most beautiful thing for me uh the fact that you just like uh you've got like matter and then you say okay uh what if i add a symmetry to it and i make the symmetry local and and just out of this uh the interaction emerges that is just so fantastic um i mean you can probably tell i'm already like getting uh yeah. all, all worked up just talking about it but um that's definitely this. So uh, I guess to to a step back for the for the listeners, it's like yeah, it's basically what it is. Uh, imagine that um, the the theory has some kind of arbitrary uh, um, uh, uh, thing that you can set up, and and you shouldn't be able to say like one number is better than the other. And if you do this, but for every point in space time, uh, just the fact that you've got this uh, uh, freedom to set this uh, this number uh, gives you the interaction directly and so you get like the theory of, of light and matter and actually all the other like what well, almost all the other interaction just uh, just like this through like deep symmetry principle and right. I find I find this great yeah it's beautiful it's, um, in general I think uh, like uh, yeah I well actually I only learned like uh because i'm still I'm, I'm only gonna start my phd really uh next year but I, I i remember learning like lagrangians for the first time and like even in classical mechanics and it just blew my mind how much more elegant all these equations you know when you're learning the and memorizing these equations on on, on like uh on flashcards you're like where does this come from and then i learned like hamiltonians and, and lagrangians like uh last year and it all just looked so much more elegant so yeah, but I guess I guess for you, uh, you're you're more like I mean, if if someone says like their their favorite is is the general relativity, you know, like uh, matter equals curvature. Uh, yeah, that's so. Uh, energy energy is equals curvature. That's that's also a valid. Uh, yeah, a really nice answer to to have to this question. Yeah, it's a pretty good one because I'm 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 doing more like astrophysics. So, okay. Nevertheless, let's. Uh, this is a chess podcast after all. Um, number three, where is your favorite place where you've ever played chess? Good question. Um, I, I guess I can I can plug uh, uh, my own club, uh, Hammersmith in London. Um, we just moved into a, a brand new uh, uh, building this year, which we call the Mind Sports Sport Mind Sports Center, the London Mind Sports Center. And um, so we we the club has the Mondays and on other days. Um, it's uh, other online sports. We've got like Go and uh, Bridge, the card game, and so that's like you know a dedicated uh, uh, space uh, for um, uh, you know uh, uh, board gaming uh, um, in general. And that's um, that's uh, that's a great. The club is very dynamic, so I absolutely love it. Now the place where I would like to play the most uh, is definitely um, for 2020. I wanted to go on the the chess train tournament. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this. It's basically um, you've got uh, there's like a, a one uh, there's a, an episode of Ben's podcast where um, uh, the the 
the, the guest talks about it in detail. So maybe we can link this in the show notes. It's actually a great episode. Um, so it starts from Prague and then you go to like a lot of um, cities by train in, uh, in Central Europe, you know, uh, Bratislava, Budapest and so on. So it's like, it's kind of like a one week trip. And during the day uh, you play, I think a ra rapid tournament in the train. And then in the evening, you just like discover uh, uh, the city and you, you just uh, sleep in a hotel in, uh, in the city that you're wow. discovering. So um, that's definitely, I mean, obviously everybody knows what happened in, in 2020. So um, that, that, <laughs> that, that kind of like uh, uh, got canceled, but um, definitely looking forward to, to do this uh, as soon as it's, as it's back on the menu. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I might try to do that too later in my life. Um... I mean, I'm in Europe right now for until like July, so who knows? Maybe I'll do. I, I don't know if it's gonna even when they plan to reopen. I mean, you know, the yeah. COVID situation is. I mean, even if you if you're back in the U.S., it's worth like flying for like two days to 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 discover all these these beautiful cities. Right. I completely agree. Now, uh, next question: uh, Who's your favorite chess player of all time? Um. Uh... That is a great question. And uh, I thought I prepared all my answer for the quick uh -huh. round. And now, um, and what I want to say is uh, I, I didn't want to pick anyone uh, alive. Um, so um, just the first person. Yeah, let's go. Let's go for a, a, a Frenchman and um, let's go for Philidor, who was like uh, clearly the strongest player of his time. Um, lived through like a, a, a extremely um, uh, interesting uh, time pre 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 revolution, um, if I recall correctly, uh, and 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 so that's gonna be like uh, you know um, uh, my pick. I mean, not 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 on like um, maybe um, uh, for a particular game, but uh, just just to pick someone different. Pawns are the soul of chess, after all. That was a Philidor yeah. quote. Um, just a few more questions. First of all, um, what's is there a, like what's the most memorable tournament you've ever played? Uh, I really enjoyed uh, playing in the um, in the the Central London uh, Chess Congress. Um, uh, shoot up to to John Sargent and uh, Adam Rauf. Um, it's it's um, it's in the, the you have this uh, big university uh, Imperial College at the center of London and um, it is really right next to uh, the Royal Albert Hall. So through through the window you can see the the Royal Albert Hall. Um, I, I like the venue because it's in central London. You don't need to travel um, anywhere. And and this is my favorite. I I I play I play there whenever I can. The the tournaments there um, maybe organized twice a year. So. Uh, definitely anyone in the UK should, uh, should, should check it out. Now, only three more questions. First of all, uh, what's uh, your favorite game that you've ever played against somebody? I don't know if it's maybe it's an online game or a tournament game or. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, once uh, the first time I, I, I beat a, a title player on the chess blitz, uh, that was great. Uh, and, and also I, I beat a very strong um, uh, player of my club in, 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 in uh, uh, what I call my immortal game. Uh, it, it was a really, um, a, a really wild, crazy thing. Uh, 
actually like there's a couple of inaccuracies for me but um it, it's a, the, the type of stuff that um you know uh happens once in a while and uh i guess this this would be this um i i never i i don't think i ever had the, the opportunity or uh, uh the uh the mindset to to just go for something so crazy uh, uh over the board right um now just uh you know we're almost almost done first of all uh and i i know you sent me your answer to this already um what's your favorite game of chess ever yeah uh definitely i'd pick uh, what what's the so-called uh, uh final fantasy game uh between uh ivanchuk and, and Jubaba, uh which you know everybody knows these these two players they're they're um they're quite you know unique in their in their style and and the the, the level of chess they can they can pull off uh um from time to time is amazing and it's really a game where um, uh, in the fantasy variation of the Kaokan, which I know you play the Kaokan, um, just just black uh, sacrifice uh, a lot of material to open up like um, uh, white skin. And Ivanchu comes with like a, a crazy precise uh, uh, defense uh, and and um, and brings it. Uh, the the games on YouTube, uh, um, I quite I know this. It's been recapped by Kings Crusher. Uh, Legend. But, uh, yeah uh so 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 check it out i'm sure the player people maybe also have uh so that's definitely the one i mean because there's also the um the the Morozevich mvl uh a night of game where the rook is 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 stuck um uh on on uh on h8 for for like so long uh which is like you know very famous but um i i guess this this um i quite like the final fantasy one Right, yeah, it's an amazing game. Every uh, every Karakon player or anybody who likes playing against the Karakon should should know that game. It's it's an amazing game. Um, I guess on that note, we'll just ask you know while we're talking about openings, what is your favorite opening? Ah, uh, good question. Um, I quite like. I mean, I, I was I had this um, you know disease of changing opening quite a bit uh, before. <laughs> Uh, I, I know a lot of, and, and I cured myself of this. Now I'm kind of uh, settled. I play 1b3 as, as white. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm one of these guys. Um, I really, I really like the position and, you know, you just, you just play chess. Um, and I quite like the Portuguese Scandinavian. Uh, so, you know, um, all the, the David Smerdon's book, um, that's as black, a really aggressive, um way to play that that black uh that white can can not really avoid uh and and against d4 i like to play the stone wall i really i really enjoy the the, the richness of the of the plan and, and the structure so that's that's like um my, my opening repertoire right now and I'm, I'm quite happy with it now um last last final question where can uh you know where can my listeners find you on on the social universe or maybe if somebody's looking for some performance coaching where can they get in contact with you yeah so uh i'm on twitter at benji porto uh i guess the spelling is going to be in the show notes uh, yeah. because there's lots of letters um i have a website mindcreaser.com uh also in the show notes uh where i have a blog um I, I try to to post like uh, I I don't have a lot of blog posts but I I try to make it quite informative like for example I I have a blog on the the effect of jet lag and I, I analyze like you know 
uh, thousands of, uh, of 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 GM games to to see the effect of like uh, when when one of the players or, or both had um, had traveled. So um, it's it's definitely um, uh, uh, follow me on on social media and uh, just uh, just uh, uh, get in touch. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess on that note, is there anything else you wanted to uh, to talk about or anything we um, missed? No, I think um, I think that's uh, that's that's great. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for um, for having me on the podcast. Oh, and uh, wh- what are your your next uh, uh, goals for for twenty twenty two for the podcast? Um, my next goals, I think, I kind of just want to. I want to do more stuff on YouTube. I kind of more or less just want to diversify my content. I think. Because I think um, as much as I like kind of the space that I have, um, you know, and as much as I enjoy sharing the space with like Chess Pit and, and Dr. Skull and uh, Ben Johnson, I think uh, 2022 for me is going to be all about just really trying to find my own, uh, my own identity and, and uh, trying to kind of just branch out and, and share my, you know, my jumbled thoughts on chess with more people. So that's why uh, I, I, I want to move this stuff onto YouTube. I still haven't quite figured out the best setup and I'm still learning how to use a video editing software and all that, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of move towards more original kind. I mean, I'll still be doing the podcast like this, but uh, more different kinds of podcast episodes and with video and, and maybe even just original videos and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I guess that's kind of my goal, how I see myself kind of contributing to the chess media landscape more in the long term. And that, so that's, I guess, what I want to start this year. So. You know, if if you want to help support me with that, you know, uh, just check out sixty four Chess Channel on YouTube, and uh, I may even change the name. It could be completely like irrelevant, and in like a couple of months from now. But that's what I'm going with right now. I'll. So yeah, I mean that that's kind of where I'm at right now. And um, on that note, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up here. But I want yeah, to thank. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks. Sorry to interrupt you. I just yeah. wanted to to plug that people should uh, support you on Patreon. Guys, if you like uh, David's work, uh, do 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 give a pledge. Yeah, it's uh, it's, I I have three, I have a one dollar tier, a three dollar tier, and a five dollar tier, and um, you know, I I only have like two patrons right now, actually maybe three, but um, you know, it it you got to start somewhere, and uh, the platinum tier, uh, you know, you'll be thanked at the end of every episode, and if you pay more, if you pay uh more than the one dollar tier you get access to the what i call right now a 64 inbox so when i have like a more of a real legitimate schedule with guests you can ask questions like before the shows for guests and and uh, i think that's gonna be a really cool way for me to interact with you guys so uh you can check that out patreon.com 64 podcast if that's something that interests you and actually on that note i do want to thank uh my uh platinum patron paul harbright uh, from australia once again for supporting the show uh thank you so much um he's been supporting the show for two months so if you want to join paul uh yeah you can check us out uh 64 podcasts on patreon hope to have you back uh benji and thanks so much Anytime. for coming and uh yeah let's uh let's make it happen so thanks everyone for listening and uh i guess i'll thanks, see you Larry. next week bye-bye bye